Hello, hello, and welcome to Orbiting the Ghost Planet. I'm Nick. I'm Joe. And today, we sat down to watch Season 3, Episode 1, Explode. They really don't say why the episode is called Explode, do Yeah, they? I was just thinking that. I was like, eh, I mean, Zora gets kind of blown up a lot. He gets yeah. lasered a lot. But Zora gets blown up a lot. Yeah. There's one... Ooh. See now, there's an episode that comes in a few seasons that has Dennis Leary on it, mm-hmm. and if that episode was called Explode, it would make sense. But the episode that features a major explosion as a plot device is called Waiting for Edward. So, they're all over the place. <laughs> but yeah, as we said, this is the first episode of season three, finally sitting down to watch it. It feels like it's been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> Time on the ghost planet <laughs> behaves peculiarly. It's tricky sometimes to sync it up with uh, Earth time. But, you know, and the whole thing with, you know, daylight savings time, that just throws it off even more. Yeah. What is a daylight to a moon? Everything? <laughs> the wind. I want to give you a little context. Okay. New season, new year. Uh, It's... Let's go back. It's February of 1996. Let's talk about a little bit about what happened in, you know, around the 1996 year. Let's see, I'd be six and a half. So you remember when we saw the world premiere tune-in? Yes. And we saw a number of strapping young lads who were cartoon directors. Yep. On one of them we saw in a swimsuit. And yep. that was why he won. Uh, so again, that was... That was to sort of promote the shorts being made as part of the What a Cartoon directive, yeah. uh, which eventually pretty much became Cartoon Cartoons. And so this year, we see the first one of those actually hit the air as a full series, Dexter's Lab. Cool. So Dexter's Lab is a great show. <laughs> Dexter's Lab is so good, and it lasted for so long. Yeah. And you still haven't seen the movie, right? There's a movie? There's a Dexter's Lab movie. It's about time travel. It's pretty great. Oh, wait, no, I might have seen that. If you haven't, we should watch it. Well, we should watch it anyway, even yeah. if I have seen it. Uh, so Dexter's Lab uh, hits Cartoon Network. We're also going to see The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. Oh, my God. Yeah, doesn't that hit a weird button in your brain? I never watched that show. Let me tell you I had a this. friend who really liked that show. I really liked that show because it had the whole thing about sometimes they would go into cyberspace and when they did it was all cg oh man but i think this was like right before reboot uh-huh. so you remember how reboot looked <laughs> yep this was a little bit closer to the way that one simpsons treehouse of horror episode looked <laughs> when homer went into the third dimension that wasn't bad though it was well but it, it had to be simple it was all right you know, grids simple and geometric one character shapes and <laughs> Real Johnny Quest was a bit like that. Plus, okay, that show, when they were in cyberspace, they had, like, stuff with, like, cool motorcycles and junk. Yeah. I had some Real Adventures of Johnny Quest toys, including a dope motorcycle (laughs) with, like, weird, like, four-foot-long training wheels. Uh Uh-huh. And also, somewhere, I might still have it, a, like, clear plastic figure of... Cyberspace Johnny Quest that came as like a kid's meal from Pizza Hut. 
Whoa. Pizza Hut did a line of like collectible toys based on the real adventures of Johnny Quest. Wow. And if there's a sentence that sounds any more like 1996, <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. Except possibly this episode will feature a member of the band Toad the Wet Spot. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that. Um, yeah, and Speed Racer. I'm surprised that it took this song for Speed Racer to show up on Cartoon Network. But yeah. uh, this is where people... I, I it, like the animes started coming over. Starts, yeah, starts coming over in a like a mainstream kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think maybe around this time that even like the Sci-Fi Channel starts showing really weird. I think they showed Dominion Tank Police what? at some point. Like, and that's an OV. Like, Sci-Fi was picking up OVA, so maybe like you would see MD Geist on uh, <laughs> Sci-Fi too. Some stuff that only had two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's, it's still going to take at least a year before we start seeing uh, Tsunami proper, where they take all of the Japanese animation and wrap it into its own block. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll get to that eventually, but we're only just starting with Space Ghost. And how does this episode start? Uh, Multar talking to Lokar? Yes. Yeah, no, so we open up, and Lokar is on Multar's monitor, and they're having a chat. Because Lokar is looking to put together his own talk show and seeing if Moltar wants to maybe come be his director instead of Space Ghosts. And here's what's interesting about this cold open. Is there's stuff going on on the set. Yeah. And I feel like this is the first time. Like, we've seen Space Ghosts sort of ignore the guest and ignore what they're trying to push and all of that before. I feel like this is the first time. And we've also seen it from the perspective of, like, we're with Space Ghost on the set where things are sort of slow and awkward and maybe Moltar's doing his own thing in the corner and Zorak's doing his own thing. I feel like this is the first time we're on the other side. Like, we almost have more of a focus on Moltar's side thing while just stuff is going on <laughs> on the set. Yeah. Like, there's a gunfight between Space Ghost and Zorak and Terry Jones is there doing his whole whatever it is he's doing. It, I feel like it's the first time that it feels like there's something we've missed. Yeah. Uh, because like we there's just stuff like it's in media res in a weird way, like on this just like what is and I I don't know. I could understand if they call if they called this episode explosion because it feels just so chaotic and hectic. Like this episode, I think feels more chaotic than any other episode we've seen so far. At the beginning, yes. I don't think it's there's a lot of long pauses and quiet moments during the show, like during the. They, they try really hard for that, but Terry Jones is there, and he has way too much energy. <laughs> Anytime Terry Jones like has a line, it's like you crank the knob past safe levels. Which is also like, it's so clear. Like, his interview is also like the most chopped up, disassociated interview they've had so far, <laughs> I think. I don't know if that's because that's him. That's There's- him. <sighs> yeah. Monty Python is a weird thing. Yep. Like, as a group, as people, as a cultural touchstone mm-hmm. from across the pond. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really weird to see a clash with Space Ghost. Because maybe that's why it's an explosion. The whole episode is just maybe. like a... Is like a there honestly was not as much Monty Python references as I assumed there would be. Are you sure? Because yes. there was a lot. 
There was a lot, but they did. The it was It wasn't entirely referential jokes. So that's a weird thing. Like Space Ghost, they've done some weird things where they, and they 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 do it from what when they're doing the spam gag. I, I, we shouldn't even care about the order of this episode. No. This, this, this episode is like a, a chronological train wreck. Like a flying circus episode. It's just exactly one thing after another. Um, when they're doing they're they're doing a spam gag, and it starts as just, uh, uh and they, they say it before, and, and they make mention in one of the commentaries that sometimes the writing on the show is not so much homage or reference, but straight regurgitation. Yeah. And when they do some of the, the jokes, they do it straight regurgitation. Especially that one, because it's just spam, spam. Yeah, in my notes I put, of course it devolves into spam sketch. <laughs> yes. But then they sort of take it and at the end they start like riffing on how dumb it is to just say spam a whole bunch yeah. by like putting it into other songs. And I feel like that's... Like they almost treat it as a rejection or there is almost a way of the writer saying, hey, let's move on from just saying the Monty Python <laughs> stuff over and over, which we've been saying all the time since as well. Mm-hmm. That that was my high school is when I met. Turns out I just started hanging out with all the people who grew up growing up on Monty Python. And I'm just <laughs> like, OK, are we just going to say the funny thing over and over? Or are we going to do a joke? <laughs> and that's kind of what they do is they do the regurgitation, but then they also sort of rip on it as a whole. And they use it, they use a regurgitation for a further riff. To just sort of make fun of Monty Python. Kind of bounce off of it. Like yeah. a springboard. Um, and I can appreciate that. And again, like, you know, not letting the, the guests push whatever their product is, whatever they're on the show, or, mm. you know, and just sort of trying to cut that out of the thing. They do that, like, they're not even pretending that they're using the interview as intended mm-hmm. it's just answer me these questions three that was three in a row mm-hmm. it's it's a very weird thing and uh, like but like because you would think like okay like they must have had this in in their grow up too like at some point the, yeah probably at some point the, the cultural touchstone isn't so much monty python so much as it is repeating monty python jokes mm-hmm <laughs> The jokes get told verbatim more than the show was watched. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. I don't know if, if they were commenting on that, but that could be said. And so, now I'm just ranting. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to get to a point. Did you know the spam sketch is why email spam is referred to as spam? Really? Yeah, I believe it. The term spam, as it is used to denote mass unsolicited mailings or net news postings, is derived from a Monty Python sketch set in a movie TV studio cafeteria. During the sketch, the word spam takes over each item offered on the menu until the entire dialogue consists of nothing but spam, 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 and spam. This so closely resembles what happens when mass unsolicited mail and posts take over mailing lists and net news groups that the term has been pushed into common usage in the internet community. Okay. I never understood why the Vikings were there, but if that scene is supposed to take place like in a TV studio <laughs> yeah. cafeteria, then like people still in costumes from set, mm-hmm. that finally makes sense. <laughs> I've never said that about a Monty Python sketch before, that it finally <laughs> makes sense. Wow. Also, the Python coding language is named specifically for Monty Python. I kind of hate how much Monty Python is in everything. <laughs> it's like... 
It's like the geek thing. Yeah. <sighs> it permeates everything. Just because both of people being like raised on it as just a comedy touchstone. I bet at the time, you know, like Craig Ferguson show mm -hmm. and how he made a talk show that was designed after how he hated talk shows yeah. and was bored with talk shows. Same can be said of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Same can be said of I watched through the Eric Andre show not too long ago. And that's, <laughs> you know, there's a desk and a chair, but then every, the beginning of every episode, he literally tears it apart and turns the set to rubble. <laughs> uh, and, you know, this goes back to Bobcat Goldthwait lighting Jay Leno's couch on fire. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm really curious if the reason Monty Python is so is a touchstone is because it was doing that kind of thing for television at the time in the seventies and eighties, which was like what, 20 years before we were born, <laughs> 30 years before we were born. And that's why we don't get it. But that's why everyone before us would have been so into it that it permeated throughout us. Yeah. It's like, we have it, but we don't get it. Monty Python. I think Monty Python is a thing that our generation does not grok. <laughs> like we know it, we've memorized it, but we don't really get it. Um, I would not be surprised if it also like anything that starts in the sixties is like crazy drug fueled. Yeah. I was going to say, but yeah. <laughs> um, that, I, that is something I would actually like to know more about if, if there's that sort of throughput there. Cause I know that's kind of why space ghost is that to me. Cause it's like, here is something established and let's just break it down. Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason why people love but don't realize they love Evangelion. <laughs> because that's just like, hey, we know what a super robot show is. Now let's make it cry. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, let's, uh, I've got some notes here. Let's, uh, <laughs> okay. let's, f let's find somewhere to put our feet down. Uh, once, once Terry Jones is allowed to hold up his book and say the name of it. Is that his book? No, nah, not his book. Maybe it is his book. I don't know. It's a book of fairy tales. It's like it looks like a nice little book of fairy tales. I my foot sleep. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> my understanding of '90s era Pythonites is that, like, yeah, they probably were writing books and doing things, so it probably was his own book. Oh yeah, they all, they all had books and or something he worked on a collaboration, if you will. We do see one. Let's call it a landmark moment in the life of one Terry Jones mm -hmm. while he's there the whole time in his time-hopping existence on the show. Mm -hmm. uh, he likes a cartoon. Yeah. And he says it's his first time ever looking at cartoon. Mm -hmm. He likes Space Ghost. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> I would not like Space Ghost. I don't know. He likes him on the cheek. I think that's a pretty safe place. You see, no, see, cause it, it, he's got a very strong jaw. The jaw might be the biggest part of his face. Yeah. Um, and you like, and he flies like through the air like a Superman. Yeah. He does like a Superman fly. So have you ever seen like a dude? Yes. With like a, a motorcycle helmet visor that just gets like bug splattered and yeah. stuff. Yeah. That's his chin. But this was on the show, so I would assume that you know you do you clean up and do makeup and everything. So you're looking makeup. That's like a really, really bad. I'd rather like that than the cowl. All right. I wonder what material that is. 
What if what if that cow is actually like carbon fiber, and that's why he <laughs> turns so weird? <laughs> well, it's like Batman. You can't like turn your head. No, because they did that once. They said no neck Batman, and then every time after they made fun of it. <laughs> Was that the same one as nipple Batman? Probably. Probably. Oh, poor Val Kilmer, hurting for a gig. <laughs> So you'd have to take Batman. That's not how that structure is supposed to go. Um, in amongst all the Terry Gilliam stuff, we're cutting... Terry Jones. God, who's Terry Gilliam? The other Terry. There's two Terrys. Yeah. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, the two Terrys. Okay, that's... No, Gilliam is the one with the the American. The other guys are British, but he was American. He was American? Yeah. The traitor. <laughs> he's the one who did all the like the animations and stuff. Oh, word. Mm-hmm. He he's responsible for the foot. Mm-hmm. You know, the best thing to come out of Monty Python might be Rock of Ages, the twenty twelve ish uh, Xbox Live arcade game where you play as a big boulder that you roll down a hill. Oh yeah, that one. And you can put a little tiny happy face on it, <laughs> dude. I should go play more of that game. <laughs> Like, I, I think I played the hell out of that game, and I did not play enough. Mm-hmm. Fun multiplayer that you could absolutely abuse to jump physics. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, not that Terry. The other Terry. Oh, my God. I have to leave that in now. I have to leave in that mistake, because <laughs> that's that's an honest mistake. Terry Jones. Mm-hmm. In amongst all of the Terry Jones nonsense and high-energy chaos, punctuated with the standard Space Ghost no-energy dead air. Yeah. We're cutting back to Maltar, who is still in negotiations with Lokar. Um, he wants a block of cheese. He wants a block of cheese. He wants 52 weeks vacation. Yeah. And Lokar gives it to him. Yeah. And, and Maltar comments like, yeah, no, that's a good one. I want that one. Yeah, I want, that's a good one. Uh, which I love. I love that part. Uh, but he has to bring his agent into it. Yeah. In order to negotiate the contract. And who is his agent? Oh, I forgot the adjective they used. The funny Ultra 7 guy. The funny Ultra 7 guy? <laughs> love the funny Ultra 7 guy. And I love how they they cut back and forth from Moltar's face to the, the screen where it's like a teleconference between Lokar and the funny Ultra 7 guy. Yep. But they cut just like quick enough that they can just use the same like two second loop of him talking into his armband. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's kind of great. Yeah. I love... And... I love it because it's like kind of the found footage, kind of they specifically had to find a piece like that that they could use. Yeah. And just, yo, Ultra 7. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, you know, it was just saying the anime didn't come over, but these these are the guys who were the nerds who were yeah. getting, they at least one of them was getting tapes sent overseas from Japan. <laughs> Get Ultra 7 episodes. I don't actually know about too much about Ultra 7, Ultraman. I know there's like a lot of SNES games featuring him that I couldn't understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he does the thing. I know silver spoons over his eyes, <laughs> and just like apparently most of the shit, like if you've ever watched the old like Toho era Godzilla movies, it was kind of like that in, in the way that it's not so much about Ultra Seven comes in and does everything. He's not. The main character, he's just the biggest star. Yeah. Literally. Ha! 
But like it's about the team versus the bad guy, and then everything is going badly, and then Ultraman comes in and throws a building at him, mm-hmm. or throws him at a building, and a building is a cardboard box on a set. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, but if anybody's interested, like I am, uh, shoutfactory.tv, I believe is the website for Shout Factory. Uh, they have a number of Ultra 7 episodes up there that if you want to just go and watch old shows, it's there. Hey, <laughs> while you're there, uh, they got some, uh, they got home movies up there too. And man, home movies is a good show. Yeah. Man, home movies is a good show. So yeah, Ultra 7. Um, I love it when they do that. I think I love it specifically because they're going to that era of Japanese television. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I don't know too much about it and... I will say, this will not be the last time we mention it on this show. <laughs> but uh, we'll leave that for the future. And then when we're finally all done, and we have to get rid of... Wait, we didn't talk about his superpower. Right. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. He has a superpower. All right. Those were the questions three. That was one of the questions three. Yeah. Uh, what is... Since you brought it up, <laughs> let us know what is Terry Jones's superpower. His superpower is that he can touch every part of his body with his tongue. Every part. Every part. Oh my! Wait, every part? Like at once? I don't know. He doesn't specify. Oh gosh, I, that would explain why he's called Tongue Man. Yes. Ah, uh, is this uh, is this superpower hot or not? I think it can be get pretty hot if in the right company. Ah, mm, ah, mm, ah. <laughs> you you saw when they did that, right? Yeah. And they were like <laughs> Terry Terry made a joke, you like a very like not like explicit joke, but kind of just kind of alluding said, yeah, he to just it. Like, yes, it also makes me popular with the ladies. Yeah. That Space Ghost was like, why would that make you popular with the ladies? I'm surprised they were even allowed to get away with that much. Because that's like, awfully explicit for being vague. Yeah. It's because ladies like to send mail. And so he comes over and he licks the stamps. And he, he ne- his tongue never dries out licking the stamps and sealing the envelopes. Okay, stop talking. Do you not believe me? <laughs> When we're finally done with Terry Jones, Space Ghost says uh, a number of... Okay. I need your support as I attempt this. Space Ghost has a number of malapropisms? Good enough for me. Okay! (laughs) It's a win in my book. I don't think I've ever heard that word said out loud, anyway. Good. Like, I know the word just from, like, reading it and stuff, but I don't think I've ever heard it out loud. He just... He he starts out strong with loud action speak words, and then just keeps going about something in the bush and of a feather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he zaps him. Right? Mm-hmm. I was too busy laughing at loud action speak words to notice if he actually zapped him. Uh, because we have another guest. Yeah. Um, Glenn Phillips of the band Toad the Wet Sprocket. Which apparently is a Monty Python reference. Yeah. I couldn't I can't tell you place from it. where. Actually, let me look at their wiki. 
Toad the Wet Sprocket took its name from a Monty Python comedy sketch called Rock Notes, in which journalist delivers a nonsensical music news report. And at the first gig, the band still had not chosen a name, and so when they, like, needed to, like, give a name to be announced or whatever, they just used that one. You know, it's really beautiful. Life imitates art. <laughs> art imitates life, and life imitates art. The perfect circle. Eric Idle, the sketch's original performer, reflected on the band's name in a 1999 performance. He said, I once wrote a sketch about rock musicians, and I was trying to think of a name that would be so silly no one would ever use it, or dream it could ever be used. So I wrote the words, Toad the Wet Sprocket. And a few years later, I was driving along the freeway in LA, and a song came on the radio, and the DJ said, that was by Toad the Wet Sprocket, and I nearly drove off the freeway. <laughs> Just on principle, not out of shock. <laughs> Just on, oh, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> You want to know what the like best part about the Glenn Phillips interview is? It's exactly one line. Yeah. It is an, an anecdote <laughs> about a surgery the drummer had, and that's it. Yep. And then the show ends. <laughs> but it doesn't end. There's like a good like 90 seconds, two minutes of just dead air banter chit chat. Yeah. Which I can tell you, like, it's directly taken from on mic banter yeah. just like in the recording session because <laughs> um, uh, in one of the commentary tracks they make specific reference to this specific uh, occurrence of mm -hmm. talking about uh, uh, flaky a dense pastry or flaky pa yeah. pastry about how cheese blocks you up yeah it <laughs> it's weird how the, the I the... disagree with Space Ghost on that by the way oh about the dense versus flaky pastry like, being it was preferable. Like a, he prefers the dense dense foods. Like a muffin. Like a muffin. But I would go for the flaky pastry. Yeah, usually I'll go with like a turnover. I like an apple turnover. Yeah, I like Danishes. I don't like a Danish. The cheese is too heavy. The cheese I is too love dense. It. <laughs> like like I'll take a, a drizzle. Well, so then I mix it. because the 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 pastry's flaky, and then the cheesy spread is denser. And sweet. Do they do a Danish that's like empty on the inside? What do you mean? Or is that how a Danish normally is? Where it's just pastry all the way through and the, the cream on top? I don't think it's part. a Danish then. Really? I'm pretty sure the whole point of a Danish is that you have some sort of topping. No, that's what I mean. Like, it's got the topping. I thought Danishes were like filled like a turnover too. No. Are they shaped like a bowl? No. What What pastry is bowl shaped? I have no idea what you're talking about. A bunt cake. <laughs> if you can call that a bowl. I mean, if if you hollow it out. <laughs> if you hollow out most things, you can turn them into bowls. <laughs> you hate it when I you want do danishes this. now. No, I just I'm want... So I'm hungry. hungry. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it. For this episode. <laughs> Uh, I always forget that like this is part of this season. Sort of the key to this season, uh, the way I've heard the story go, is they were locked in a room and uh, they made more episodes for a season than than they had ever made before. Oh, they just like sat down and wrote like a bunch of episodes. Yeah, so like between this one and the next one, they just get goofy because <laughs> they have to put out so many, and they get. This is the part where they start to get sick of working on their own show. Yeah. Um, and 
for a while, they're still going to like make the show and it's going to be familiar. But by the end of next season, we're going to see that they are don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and then they continue to do it for quite a while, which then you get some really interesting stuff. Yeah, I bet. Like, it's one thing to create a show that is like making fun of an established concept because they're sick of that established concept. Mm-hmm. It's then interesting when that ripoff, you know, when that breakdown show is then become sick of by the people making it <laughs> while they're making it. So it's broken down again. Yeah. Break it down so we shall forever be broken. Maximumfun.org. So we look forward to, uh, well, I don't know about you, <laughs> but I look forward to seeing how this season progresses. I don't know about you, but I kind of enjoy watching slow descents into madness. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's why I, um, if you want a good descent into madness, check out Deceased Crab's playthrough of La Mulana. <laughs> he, there's an episode that is a fugue state, and it's <laughs> great. It's probably my favorite. Um. Like, I would say just watch that episode, but you really got to watch, like, the four before it as well to get mm-hmm. the context of a man breaking. Which reminds me, I got to play more Mario Kart. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I look forward to seeing the rest of the episodes from this season. Uh, so, you listening at home will just have to join us again next time when we watch another episode of Space Ghost Coast to Ghost and complete another orbit around the ghost planet. You have been listening to Orbiting the Ghost Planet, an Aliku Studios podcast network production. You can visit the show page at alikustudios.net slash podcast slash ghost planet. There you can find the rest of our episodes, the RSS feed for the show, and links to our Facebook page where you can talk about this and all the other Aliku Studios shows. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, you can help us by leaving a quick review and rating. Please visit alikustudios.net to learn more about us and what we do. That's O-L-E-E-T-K-U.